Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome to the Cinemondo <laughs> podcast, which is what this is. Right here, right now. With Kathy <laughs> and Burke, right here. Talking about our favorite stuff, horror movies. Yeah, because it is the season. It's it's the October. It's the October, and um, that's when you're supposed to watch horror movies nonstop, right? You put them on. I love it because loop. they're on all the time now. Like it's like all of a sudden there's all this new horror on streaming. All of a sudden there's like you know movies in theaters. Yeah. There's new horror movies. There's like this everybody. It's everybody's talking about. It. So everybody's watching horror, enjoying horror, and that's the only month where that's allowed. And all the the Halloween decoration pop up stores all over town. Yes, this is always fun. So fun and seeing neighbors who decorate. I used to decorate, and I think some someday maybe I'll do it again. Maybe I'll make a little podcast about it or something if I do something fun. But I used to get pretty elaborate with it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I simplified it. I just got some little glowy ghosts that I hung from my porch and my tree in front of the house. So it looks like a little, and it's nice because they, they, they're they kind of sparkly glowy. And then you walk through, it's like a little Halloween wonderland. Oh, It's very simple. It's very cute. So I'll post cute. a video of it. We have some construction going on in our front yard, so we can't let anybody in. So mm. we have to do something outside of the of the, the gate, outside mm. of the fence. And uh, otherwise, we're, you know, liable we're a liability but, yeah don't um, let little kids in a construction site or maybe that could be the horror thing we could put you know people impaled on rebar and stuff. horror construction yeah like yeah. look at look at all the injuries you can get on a construction site yeah, see how fun this is <laughs> it's horrifying it's terrible <laughs> but anyway that you know anyway it's, it's the the funny thing about it is that you always hear people saying uh, you know it's time to start watching horror films but mm -hmm. it's like yeah, i don't know i watch movies like that all the time or you know, some yeah. people include science fiction any kind of genre kind of unusual interesting kind of films yeah and we uh i think people like us kind of have halloween all year round but you know, we'll we'll pander. We'll go ahead and just do this thing on October where we kind of make it look like now is the time and you're supposed to watch movies like I that. I consider the year <laughs> my reconnaissance of finding the movies. I can then suggest to people in October when they're like, "What's a scary movie?" And then I have yeah. all this, you know, this knowledge to share. Right. <laughs> well, I like to do that. And I also feel like that a lot of the movies that we talk about, we've done this with the with the. I think we did this. We started with the seventies, right? We did the eighties, mm -hmm. and then yeah. and did we bypass the nineties? Mm, yeah, I think we did. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we shouldn't have bypassed the nineties. We we're running we out of time. Yeah, maybe next year we'll do the nineties. Yeah, maybe we'll start earlier. But, <laughs> but we're. Um, we're zeroing in now on on the present day, sort of. I mean, mm -hmm. like you know, twenty years ago, the two thousands, and honestly, I was like, "What am I gonna, you know, what am I gonna, you know, what is there in the night?" I know. <laughs> I was 2000s. thinking, two thousands. Is there anything good? Because after yeah. you've done the seventies and eighties, those are all the great ones. So then you're like, there aren't any good ones. And then as I was searching, I'm like, wow, there are some great ones. So I know. We decided maybe we should just go right to 2000 because it was an intentional choice to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Not that we're bad at math. Which yeah. We are. Yes. But we did we did our best. We looked through the 2000s and much to my surprise, I found some really good ones really in there. Really good ones. If you want to have a, a 2000s 
nostalgia themed uh, Halloween movie night. Here's a here's a good list that you can you can do. Not all of them, in my in my opinion, I think science fiction is included in there. I don't think it all has to be like skeletons and and stuff like that for Halloween <laughs> ghosts. And I think for Halloween, it, it should be pretty horror sci fi ish. I mean, it shouldn't be hard sci fi for Halloween. It just doesn't feel that doesn't feel like the mood because Halloween is you know. Kind of yeah, cool. but if you went to somebody's Halloween decoration and the theme was alien, that would be cool. That would be cool. You know, but if it was Star Wars, it would be like, mm, it's a little not Halloween-ish. That, that's sort of a year-round one, too. Yeah. That can be any time. <laughs> Star Wars but, is always good. Star, Yeah, you can just permanently make your house look like Star Wars. <laughs> I do want to, as a horror fan, I do want to just jump out here in front uh, since Halloween Ends just came out. And it is Halloween. I want to talk about that for yeah. a second because I watched it. I just want to talk about complete. Should utter- I cover my ears? No, because I don't want you to watch it. I want okay. to spoil it for you so you feel no need to watch it because it was the worst. <laughs> it's probably the worst movie I've ever seen. It's, oh, my it's right God. It, it jumped over some of my really other terrible ones. <laughs> So I'm just letting you know, because I think when you have a movie like Halloween and so granted we're in the modern day now, so I'm just going to be quick, but right. when you have a property like Halloween, which seems like a gimme, it seems like an, like an easy one to just, you know, it's a formula. It works. They've already fucked up the first two because they were way too big. I mean, how the first one was okay, but it still didn't feel like Michael Myers. It was like, it was like Jason for Friday the 13th, super violent, loud, you right. know, action, um, I guess that's modern audience. And then the second one, sideline Jamie Lee Curtis, the whole thing happened in the hospital was just right. terrible, ugly. Yeah. And then um this one, Michael Myers isn't even in it. And then oh. um when they do find him, he's hiding in a sewer like a little wimp, like me. He's all you know, hiding. And it's like, no. And then Lori is like walking around like you know the jamie lee curtis character is walking around like she does like she's in a dream state she's all like let's make cookies and it's just weird i mean and then they they focus on a character we've never seen before and they made him like the hero of the story and he was super creepy and you didn't like him and he was like the bullied kid that decides he wants to be michael myers and so he kind of impo- impersonates michael myers that's oh, his okay. game but i'm like this is not this is not what we signed up for you said this is halloween ends you showed a you know their final their final, you know, fight to the death or whatever. That's sort of yeah. the big face off. And then you cheated us through the entire fucking film by making Michael Michael Myers like, you know, the slave to this stupid kid for no reason. I and mean, it's just right. terrible decision making <laughs> on every level. And then the fight at the end was super lame in a kitchen. And yeah, I'm gonna spoil this thing. <laughs> but then they have someone, you know, the granddaughter gets involved. It's like, I want Lori and Michael. That's right. all we need. We don't need yeah, these people. You- why are you involving a granddaughter we don't even like, a kid we don't even know, like all these extra people, the na- the whole neighborhood getting involved? Like I don't care about all these stupid people in the neighborhood. I want Lori and Michael. So and it was badly the- staged, badly done. Ugh. They showed Michael Myers' face way too much. He's an old grizzled, toothless geezer and terrible. So yeah, hated it, hated it. So and we're going to move on the- to good films now. <laughs> this is the era of fan service, you know. You would think that they would realize that there is a fan base for these films or i don't know is there i don't know does does the brand marketing still work with halloween or are they or are they just banking on the word halloween associating it with the season of halloween do you think people that saw this movie are familiar with the john carpenter halloween 
dating. And they probably think it's really tame, even though, right. you know, that's the genesis. Cause you know, sometimes and it, technically it kind of was, but it was, it start it kicked off the whole slasher, yeah. you know, genre and well, black Christmas technically yeah. did, but this one came out big. So I just feel like when, you know, and I, and I love slasher films. I don't have a ton in the two thousands uh, slasher films. They kind of weren't in vogue as much. There's right. a few, I have a couple that I liked. Um, but when you have, you know, these franchises that then these so-called fans take over and decide to modernize, it still seems like if you're really a fan, which I don't think these people were clearly were not Danny McBride and David Gordon Green, they are not fans. There's no way right. they were fans. They saw a property. They go, I remember this movie. Let's do something cool, and loud and crazy. And just, completely polluted it with nonsense um, it just made a bad horror movie i mean even if it wasn't halloween it's just a bad horror movie the kills were if okay. it was really horror fans you'd think they would get this if they you know they got their hands on this property they're like let's show the fans what they've always wanted to see let's have the mm -hmm. the big blowout you know let's yeah. do it in the tradition not not necessarily i hate the word tradition with things but Let's do it in a way that people are going to say, yes, this is what it is. This is what it's all about. Yeah. Eh. You know, Jamie Curse is a badass. You don't need yeah. to make her uh, grandma in the kitchen making cookies and going to the drugstore. And literally, this was in the movie. Drugstore, walking yeah. around, trying to. <laughs> and so that was just useless. And then she kind of takes the stupid bullied kid under her wing for no reason she doesn't know who this guy is she's she knows that he killed some kid by accident when he was younger babysitting and that was his whole big oh my god it was on the anniversary of michael myers uh, it's just awful do not see this movie do not okay. even see it for free on peacock avoid at all costs Terrible. i won't don't okay but there, i've ruined it for you <laughs> rewinding back to the 2000s so the 2000s let's go back to the 2000s you were saying that there's not a whole the slasher thing wasn't a deal so much and what i think was was that it was sort of like the dawn of the found footage horror films mm -hmm. with things like um mm -hmm. you know what was it paranormal and and yeah. uh, those kind of things then and it was also that kind of there was kind of a moment in there where you had things like um, the ring, where yeah. it was these curse kind of stories. Yeah, you know that was based on a Japanese film, which I recommend, but I think it's '90s film. Yeah, this is and, with Naomi Watts. And the uh, yeah, that's a that movie. I think kind of. Um, started the 2000s off on a direction because it was so yeah. so popular and there was a lot of film there it seemed like there was a lot of films that were kind of trying to do the ring thing well i think blair witch and uh blair it witch, was 1999 yeah. technically yeah. but it kicked off the entire found footage and then paranormal just took it to the next level and just really yeah it just exploded so and then there was a ton of others like wreck rec <laughs> record you know and yeah whatever else Right. I was never super into those. I felt like mm. it was kind of fun, but you know, I I don't know. Never got too much into it. But um, there's one movie that I think about that's kind of like an outlier. That it's not a found footage film. It's not a it's not a supernatural curse, but um, it's based on a Stephen King uh, novella. I think, The Mist. Ah yes, the mist. Yeah, this that was a very bad segue into the mist. <laughs> For was found it? footage that we were going to talk about, no, we're not going to talk about. It. Oh, did you uh, want to keep talking about the found footage stuff? <laughs> no. 
Is there more? <laughs> well, I mean, I we were going to talk about paranormal activity. Oh, I'm all uh, over the place right now. <laughs> starts with a P. I'm a mess. <laughs> but it's a. Uh, I mean, it's a cool concept. I think one of the things about it that was so cool and that um, filmmakers. Oh, okay. Now we're going to talk about the mist. Okay. Yeah, let's go to the mist. Let's I was talking about paranormal activity, but the mist was. Um, pretty shocking you know that ending everybody talks about oh the ending's the best thing about it it's a it's one of those borderline sci-fi kind of um horror films and there was a uh it you know i think i think the next year was another film that kind of had the similar dna um called cloverfield which was, I would consider that found footage. I was about to say, yeah, it's yeah. a found footage horror sci-fi movie. It's it's like a whole bunch of things. Right. But real quick, I want to talk about the mist since we're on. Yeah. Um. So I love the mist. I read the short story, loved it. Had that had a great opening yeah. scene, a great closing scene, like just amazing. And then I also like how people uh, started trying to cope with it by getting very religious. And then yeah. Stephen King loves to poke fun at religion. Right. Justifiably. So he would make it like all this weird stuff's happening. And everyone's like, Oh, it's the Lord. He's coming down. The end is near. Right. Yeah, you know, rapture. And well, it's it like, like, Nope, it's just, yeah. it's just science. Right. <laughs> Basically. So I love the idea of this apocalypse and you know, these people trapped in a very ordinary, this classic Stephen King, you know, they're just ordinary human activity. Let's go to the grocery store. Now, all of a sudden, that's become like the center of your nightmare where they're trapped by a bunch of alien-esque creatures that yeah. come in with this mist. That comes and what in. are your weapons? You know, like a zucchini. Yeah. Or a, maybe yeah if can you, you find a... like some like a stapler or something? Right. <laughs> so not a lot of weapons in the grocery store. I mean, uh, maybe in the back there's some you know wood they can turn into something. But right. they didn't have a lot. So they're but at least they could eat. Uh, some yeah. people were trapped in a lot worse places. Then they also had uh, the Miss series that was pretty good. Um, that was a you know well produced series. Yeah, same thing, a little longer. It was the same story basically. But the Mist ending is just perfect. It's and that's classic, why you need yeah. to watch. It's pretty legendary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I found it a little like okay, you know, the effects were okay. You know, they had some decent actors in it. I love the you know the making fun of the religious woman in there. Um, <laughs> And uh, and that was good. And you know, the survival instinct isn't about laying down and reading your Bible. It's about you got to figure this out and cope and come up with a smart way out of here. You got to get right. out of this. I mean, the whole point was to try and get away from the store and getting out of the mist. Um, <clears throat> and it's kind of the end of the world thing. Like, is it the end of the world? Can we survive? So that was a great. That's a great storyline in general. Yeah. So yeah, good. Good. That was one of the best Stephen King adaptation adaptations. Yeah, and the the idea of uh, um the way it's presented with the mist, you know, everything you can't see very far into the distance. So that, that to me sort of makes it a real good example of isolation horror where you're not just isolated in the grocery store, but you're isolated in the grocery store within just like a foot or so outside of it. You know, when you look out the window, you can't see down the street, you can't see into the parking lot. It's just okay. a cloud out there. That to and me you know. is like a, that's a creepy idea right there. <laughs> And I think this was directed by Frank Darabont, who yeah. is like a good director, like fine oh, yeah, art yeah. director. So yes. you're getting someone who did like, he did that other Stephen King book, the Tim Robbins, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, was it Shawshank Redemption? Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> um, so that's another great adaptation. And he also created Walking Dead. Um, he ended up yeah. leaving the show because they screwed him over or something. But 
Um, yeah, he helped create that great. show from the from the comic so, book source source material and right. Yeah, he he brought he brought good stuff to that, yeah. and um, he's a good uh, he he's one of those people who I think works good with the Stephen King material. Mm -hmm. Well, he knows how to bring the human aspect, which a lot of people they concentrate too much on the supernatural and the scares and the the you know the monsters. Whereas it's not scary until you care about the people. Right. Which is yeah. also another reason Halloween ends didn't work out. So <laughs> um, you just hated everything. I'd let them all die. You didn't care. Oh. Um, but real quick, let's let's ease into Cloverfield again by talking about um, paranormal activity. Just yeah. real quickly. We didn't talk too much about it, but paranormal activity was one of those, you know, it was the found footage uh jumped off of uh Blair Witch by making right. bringing it home. Like Blair Witch is out in the woods, they were talking to a camera. Now it's like, you know, surveillance cameras. Um they're filming a little, you know, they're filming stuff in the house and they're seeing weird stuff. And and I like the idea of normal life. And then all of a sudden, that's weird. Let's figure this out. And then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and creepier and creepier. And it was just uh, everything just in this normal house. And I think that's what made yeah. it kind of scary is that whole aspect of not knowing what it is and making it very domesticated in a weird way, like hitting you at home where you should feel safe. Yeah. And, you, you know, if you've ever had a security camera in your workplace or home and you were looking back at footage mm -hmm. there is a certain creepiness to it yes. inherently just seeing you know when you you know if you fast forward through it or if you're looking at your ring cam or whatever and there's a there, there's a weird thing i don't know it's maybe just me but nope. even that picture right there on the yes. on the cover yeah. When you look at that, it's just like a normal bedroom. And if you were yeah. looking at that and that's in your house, but then when you look out that doorway and you're watching footage of your own house, I'm sure maybe everybody thinks this when they're watching that footage, they're like, mm -hmm. what if there was something out there that moved that, and here I am fast asleep and looking at a picture of me yeah. sleeping in the bed and there's something out in the hall that shouldn't be there, you know, and that... Right. That's a creepy thing because I think it's related to that weird fear of when you come home late at night if you live if you live alone or mm -hmm. if you're with the other person who lives in your house and you're in the car and you come home late at night and you pull up to your house what how would you feel if you saw the blinds open a little bit inside your house or right. if you saw a shadow move something is in your house it's that in the reason it works so well I think with the security cam idea is that your home is your sanctuary. Anything that invades your house is an is a this horrifying violation. And yeah. I think that's what it played on. I also think movies like uh, Paranormal Activity, uh, you know, Blair Witch particularly are just brilliant examples yeah. of economy in filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Basically, shot with with a security camera, and yeah. Blair Witch or was nobody. shot with a handheld camcorder, yeah. and you know, I know there's more to it than that. It's not like they just, you know, like in Blair Witch, you, you know, I think some people watch it and they're like, oh, these kids went out and shot this dumb horror film. It's oh, like, there's more to it than that. There's a lot more to yeah. it. There was a production crew on that and it was, there was a, uh, there was a lot of care and, uh, you know, technique and craft involved in building that film. And that's why nobody else has made one. You know what I mean? Right. That was as as effective as that. And but, it's also uh, that creepy thing of what's in the dark corner. And, you know, when you see this, they're looking going, what is that? Like they see something yeah. move or they see a weird shadow that shouldn't be there. And in that's what's creepy home. about it. It's not these huge, creepy, like there's a guy right. in the house. There's this weird shit like, 
do I see eyes in that closet? Yeah. Like what? So that's what's great about it. it. Put Orin Pelly on the map. It put Blumhouse on the map. This yeah. started a whole genre of films. And I personally love found footage. I love it. I feel like yeah. it makes it feel immediate and personal. Um, I just, I just think it's great. So I've, I've been a big fan of, of uh, found footage. I keep watching it. And, I should and go people back and keep innovating. Again. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, Paranormal Activity almost got a little bit too tame. Like they, there was a lot of long scenes where really nothing happened, and right. that's fine to a point. But at some degree, there needs to be something in the corner, and you you can't do so many fake out nothing's happening scenes, you know. So, but the first one's pretty tight. I really enjoyed that, and you care yeah. about the people. So, and it's also about you know our our relationship with technology too. Like you know trying to research it and finding your getting your cameras up and looking at camera, you know what sound and cameras and oh it's so scary. Yeah. Um, okay and video Net. you know video was sort of coming in everybody everybody was at that point i think that was on the on the cusp of everybody videotaping mm -hmm. everything all the time mm -hmm. so the idea of a video of your life it, it was becoming more of a normal thing yeah and video itself just the look of it and the feel of it and the ever presence of it yeah. um plays into the look of of a film i want to mention called 28 days later because that was the I believe the first entire feature film, sort of a good, decent budget film that was actually shot on video mm. and it wasn't found footage, but it was, it was shot on video. So it had this sort of rough edged um, documentary look. It had the feel of found footage in a way in the in the way that you feel like you're watching something that somebody just ran out there in the street and shot with their yeah. video camera and that to me makes it very effective it's a it's a zombie movie it's a horror film mm -hmm. again sort of veering Is that 2000s um 28 days later 2002 oh, okay yeah, i believe and that seems um, longer ago that that came out <laughs> yeah but then there was but then that, also that, had a few sequels a, yeah the sequels yeah but it just to me that had a real edgy, edgy, scary feel to it, Be yeah. and I think partly because it was, it looked so um, handmade or homemade that you don't expect to see production value in such a thing. You know, when you shoot a video, it's like it's just people in their house walking around saying hi, yeah. hey. But then when you see a video that looks something that looks like a video and there's crowds of zombies and abandoned cities and, you know, all these things that you don't normally see on video, it gives it this sense of urgency, like uh, um, like you're seeing something that mm -hmm. somebody just shot. You know, that's funny. I did not get that from that. I mean, it was Danny Boyle who, yeah. had, you know, really great action and does really great editing. I don't remember that being very video feeling. I have to watch that again. Yeah, it's a. Hmm, OK. It's not, I mean, it's not like um, bumpy, shaky cam type video, yeah. but there's just a quality to it that gives right. it kind of a um, not as polished of mm. a look that films normally have. And I've always felt like that kind of adds to its, uh, yeah. the edginess of the, of the <laughs> scariness of it. Right. <laughs> and so then in the same found footage thing, we have Cloverfield, which was J.J. Yeah. Abrams and, you know, big studios deciding, hey, let's make a big budget found footage. Right. And I remember seeing this in the theater and it was like, they were, they were just borderline of making you nauseous. <laughs> it's yeah, a very it fine that, line. It definitely had shaky cam. Very fine. And they also broke the rules a little bit, which I don't like. Like if you, if you're doing found footage, you have to commit to the found footage. It needs to be only found footage. And that that's just my own rule. Like if you're going to have a film and then if you're going to then pause it in your universe, we're watching the video as part of it. I get that. 
But if you're going right. to pretend like, hey, this is all found footage of people just filming themselves and then sometimes conveniently cut away and have it like a, a third party omnipotent camera that shouldn't be there that they're not actually using. I don't remember that in the Cloverfield. Room. I thought the whole thing was all the video. Oh, there were a couple that were dicey. That were kind of like. Yeah, it was like, yeah. mm, I don't think anyone's filming that. You know, But they did a pretty good job because, you know, I mean, I'm looking for that, though. But it was a good, it was a good one. But it was a little, almost too much shaky, shaky. But I did. I'll like tell it. you a, a, a film that kind of has similar DNA that d did do that weird break between found footage was a movie that I just love, um, District Nine, mm. which starts off with you know uh, found footage. I guess it's like mm -hmm. a like a documentary type yeah. of a thing, like The Office, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going through. This found footage kind of a uh, uh, like it it's sort of exposition at the beginning at the beginning of the film about what's happening in the world mm -hmm. and these organizations that are it's trying like to deal with the situation footage sort of in a way yeah and there's like lower news. third graphic news yeah. graphics and there's people addressing the camera directly mm -hmm. and it's a it's an interesting thing but it, but somewhere in there it's kind of almost hard to put your finger on when it exactly when it happens mm -hmm. but at some point it goes from that into regular regular movie type th uh, world you know and then it stays there i think it goes back into a couple briefly here yeah. and there but that movie had a had also had an edge of reality to it yeah you know neil blum he's he's, he's great director he is but he's sort of you know he's he's sort of like m night Shyamalan, who kind of makes these brilliant things and then you're like so excited for his next one you watch it and you want to like it so yeah. much but i couldn't really like chappie no I, chappie was a little bit too far you didn't care about characters it wasn't yeah that wasn't tried it was a little too contrived for me i didn't like that i one know either. and it's like you know pop rappers being actors and it kind of didn't work for me uh -uh. i felt like a music video for some reason i kept seeing it as like precursor to a music video <laughs> yeah and there's sort but he of an can be great. style that, that some people have that just i mean it's not like it's not like they're terrible actors, but is this sort of self-awareness that yeah. pop stars have when you put yeah. them in films sometimes, like <laughs> like they're performing, man. Yeah. And it didn't work for me. He has a series of short films that were great um, yeah. on Netflix. I forget what it was called. They have a strange name. It's more like the name of the studio putting out the, the short film. Yeah, I can't remember. Look that, that up either. for Neil Blancamp short yeah. film Netflix and you'll find it. But I definitely highly recommend that. And Sigourney Weaver's in it um, in a couple of the episodes. So that's really good. But those are really nice. I mean, I, I'm like, why is this not a film? Like, they're so yeah. beautifully done. Like, gorgeous special effects. Like, these were not super low budget things. When I say short films, I mean, like, you know, half an hour, but fully formed films. Like, they aren't, they oh, aren't these a... little half ass. He's an incredible conceptual designer yeah. himself, and and he does he his own special effects. He knows where that stuff comes from. Mm -hmm. He knows how it gets done, and so he knows the capabilities and the limits of it. Yeah. So when you see special effects in his movies, yeah, they're they're perfect because mm -hmm. he the director was directly involved. That's right. And that is a that's a certainly a horror sci fi film, mm -hmm. Cloverfield. It's a yeah. it is a sort of depressing film but, a little but bit. i love it oh but you know i if i think if you're going to be apocalyptic about it you got to yeah. be apocalyptic about it i i don't like when they kind of cop out and pretend like it didn't happen or people survive when they shouldn't be surviving it's like that's or okay. that there's no consequences to that kind of thing like exactly. you know if you you know abuse people exactly. and whatever <laughs> but um 
those are examples of sort of found found footage ish mm -hmm. science fiction horror films. Yeah. What's next on your list? You know, I'm just gonna pick a really obscure one. It's called 13B. It's oh. an Indian film. It's from let me see when is it was in 2009. Nice. And it's a really cool kind of almost surreal take on uh, like homebound horror in a way. So what's happening is his family's obsessed with this kind of soap opera, this, this businessman, you know, he's, and they start realizing as they're watching the soap opera, that the stuff is starting to really happen in their household. And so he starts trying to figure out like, how is, is it predicting it? Are they playing into it somehow? Like it has this great sort of surreal, you know, life versus virtual life feel to it. Right. And it's got this whole kind of haunting vibe and and it's really well done. It's got, you know, some great actors in it. Just unusual too, just to see a different culture um, responding to like horror like that, like a kind of not really found footage, but um, that kind of genre, like a genre yeah. of, hey, you know, here's horror and we're going to, you know, we're going to do this. You know, I see I see the the husband, you know, beating his wife in this this terrible soap opera. Does that mean I'm going to beat my wife? Like and of course, the interpretation of what's happening and what they're seeing doesn't necessarily always play out literally in the life like uh he sees the the husband on the show carrying this bloody sledgehammer. And so right. he's like, oh, fuck, do I kill my whole family? So he's getting worried. Like, what's, what would make me do that? Like, right. so he's starting to freak out, you know? So it's got a great, like, kind of supernatural vibe like that. And I get kind of goosebumpy thinking about it. Oh. It's super creepy. Um, really well done, though. And it's Sounds super low Twilight budget. Zone ish. Like, a yeah. Yeah. It's got Twilight Zone. That's true. Um, and I think the English uh, version, there's also one called um, Fear Has a New Address, I think is also. Um, the name for it if you're trying to find it i think it's on netflix i'm pretty sure okay. but um let's see what it shows the, the since i feel like i'm not explaining it very well the, the log line is a man experiences a supernatural current at his newly purchased apartment a soap opera being teleclassed exclusively on his tv shows the future of his family so it's even a soap opera no one else has heard of it's just happening but, on their tv <laughs> but it's not him in the in the soap opera right it's they're like actors a, a different family but yeah it's a different, similar different to actors. his own family yes it's a whole that's, dynamic it's actually really cool um it's directed by vikram kumar and um it stars uh, uh Vic, um let's see what's i thought it was a different guy here hold on mad happen hmm Directed by, we'll cut that part. Directed by Vikram Kumar. <laughs> yeah, but it's it sounds to me like one of those kind of creepy, self-referential, meta yes. kind of... Kind of technology, you know, what what is our, you know, our reliance on technology and trusting it and you know, like, what if it tries, you know, start technology starts kind of making a move, like, what are, what are your, what's your reaction to it? Like, do you believe in it? Do you trust it? Like, just kind of an interesting, cool kind tech tech horror slightly I black mirror type yes. of idea yeah, story exactly. idea which which always to me reminds me of um the twilight zone updated to the present yeah to the present situation and mm -hmm. you know if if you're gonna you know twilight zone had things like um <laughs> that's a great poster <laughs> yeah but the the Twilight Zone had things that were referential to the times, mm -hmm. you know, to their times, and and um, Black Mirror references now, right. and the uh, the idea of seeing yourself on a t in a television show or or feeling like it's refer you know it's a reference to your life or influencing yeah. your life, that is, that's a very meta you know social media thing yeah. where everybody shares mm -hmm. everything, and you kind of do you know you go into social media, you can sort of look into people's lives and totally. People can look into your life if you let them. Yeah. And um, 
it's what you got like what what was that movie with uh um i can't remember where the guy the guy finds out that his whole life is a is a movie jim carrey oh the jim carrey movie yeah yeah I forget what that's called yeah i can't remember that's it's so long ago <laughs> but um, there's so many movies we've seen between then and now i know it was but that was kind of the that was sort of a an early version of that sort yeah. of scary idea because mm -hmm. you know you do kind of sometimes think about it and you're i mean I, I when i was a little kid i used to have this weird nightmare that my family wasn't really my family and that i was i was the only i was the only real person and that oh, okay. every other person in the world was would only come to life when I was around them. You know what I mean? That kind of yeah. thought. Yeah. And I think those. I think a lot of people have that weird feeling when they're young. And I think those. There's these sort of ref, self-referential media meta type yeah. films. Sometimes that have a visceral effect on us because I think deep yeah. down we all kind of suspect that maybe we're living in a movie or we're living in some sort yeah. of simulation. It's all this scientific speculation about. Maybe we live in a simulation or like yeah. the idea you spend enough time walking around in a video game, you kind of start feeling like you are there, that you right. exist in there. Mm -hmm. And I think anything that addresses that is interesting. I'd love yeah. to see a, a film that really accurately addresses what it feels like to get involved in a, a video game, which some books have. I mean, that's the whole cyberpunk thing and the whole william gibson idea of you know in tron you know they they enter yeah. the the metaverse or whatever it's called mm -hmm. but that's a that's an interesting thing to to explore i think mm -hmm. okay what do you got next well i remember there was a movie not too long ago <laughs> that everybody loved and i loved it too called parasite that was directed by bong jun ho and i totally recommend parasite but um he made a movie earlier in 2006 called The Host, yep. which if you like Parasite, which you if you saw it, you very likely liked it. You yep. probably really like The Host. It's a similar it, it made by the same director. It is Korean film and it is a monster movie. It's it it's scary in the fact that there is a monster running around mm -hmm. and it's also funny. It's also bizarre and strange. It doesn't very strange do... tonally. Like it, yeah, it jumps around, which is. It, I mean, even Parasite did that in a way. Right, he, he's a little more confidence as a filmmaker, but I feel like this kind of opened the door to me, like for Korean films in general, yeah. like how commercial and fun they were, and how they really uh, tied themselves to like the concepts of their genres, like this yeah. kind of big monster kaiju almost. Uh, film also has humor and it has a big budget Hollywood look to it. And you know, it, it doesn't really go where you funny think it's characters, going, like a really funny protagonist that you're rooting for. Yeah. He's just kind of a dork and he's like, I'm the hero. What? You know, yeah. <laughs> it's actually really good. It does know. unexpected things, which I always like in a movie. I mean, you, yeah. you think it's going to be this, but it's not, it's yeah. a, it is a movie about a giant monster that attacks, but it, it's, it's so much more than that. It's, yep. it's very fun, but, you know, if you want to see a movie about a giant monster that is attacking, it's also that. And it's also <laughs> quite good at that. <laughs> That's right. 
very good at that. So, you know, yeah. highly recommend it. And just in general, uh, Korean films, and especially Korean horror films, are fantastic. So, yeah, um, especially crime dramas, too. They're great. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. definitely explore Korean films if you want to, you know. So, we're we're trying to do a lot of different types of films because it's not just America that gets horror right, you know. Right. <laughs> They're all over the world. Um, yes. So, and speaking of all over the world, let's go, let's, let's stay overseas, shall we? Yeah. I'm going to talk about martyrs. Now, I, I'm going to ah. talk about martyrs with like a caveat, which is, this is horror, advanced horror viewing. Do not watch this movie if you're kind of like the Conjuring fan. Do not watch right. this movie. It's way, <laughs> way beyond that. Um, this was even hard for me to watch, and I love horror, but it's super yeah. brutal. Um, it's French. It has that classic thing that French horror has, which they get. They they don't want to just show you horror. They want to give it like an existential meaning. Like right. no one has to suffer this much and see this much terrible, terrible brutality without having like this transcendent moment. So that's sort of what this is about. Like, how can you force the transcendent moment? How can you bring a transformative, you know, uh, enlightenment to someone without completely torturing them till they're almost dead? That's basically, what this is, if it was American, they would have made just some, you know, torture porn, but in France, they made torture porn art. So that's basically what this is. So, be careful when you watch this movie. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Interesting review. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of makes me want to try and watch it again, but I don't know. I, yeah. I don't, I watched it once. I don't think I can watch it more than once. I, re, I appreciated it. I appreciate right. the art of it. I appreciate what they were trying to say, but it's a really hard thing to watch. I mean, it's just, yeah. I'm not um, really, I'm not really a fan of the endurance test horror film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I know. How much can you take? It's See, like, I mean, this is the this is a log line to tell if you even could even deal with this movie. A young woman's quest for revenge against the people who kidnapped and tormented her as a child leads her and a friend who is also a victim of child abuse on a terrifying journey into a living hell of depravity. God. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> the entire thing is just steeped in just nastiness. Again, they give it a meaning, sort of, but it's just hardcore. So I'm just saying this is not a fun movie. It's hardcore horror, but here we are. French horror does kind of have that edge, yeah. <laughs> surprisingly. Here yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a good one, I guess. For the sort of good people, for the people that want to get that want to go there, you know, on Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> you like want to test the... your limits and say, yeah, I can watch anything. Try mine. Yeah, <laughs> movies like that can be sort of fun when you get a bunch of people together and you're like, ah. Like, oh my what god what am happening? i looking at you know are they really going there they're really going there you know? yeah yeah so yeah just be prepared yeah All right, what you got what's well, something more fun well i guess it's <laughs> fun it i i thought it was kind of fun there's a there's a, a director named neil marshall who who made a film called dog soldiers um that was a, just a, a you know werewolves and uh, you know it was crazy fun horror film yeah. But we're talking 2000s, so I want to talk about his movie called The Descent, which is um, kind of addresses a fear that I've always had, too, of you know, it's a claustrophobia th thing, you know, and yes. the idea of going into a cave and, you know, it kind of... I can go into caves and things like that, but it's <laughs> not uh, when they get really tight and small and you have to go through a little tiny corridor and, and hang upside down and maybe not find your way out. That's when I start getting freaked out. Cause I can't get my way out. I went into a cave one time with some friends when I was really young and got into one of those situations where it was so tight. And mm. the idea of going that way through this really tight place and 
supposedly it opens up into a bigger room in there but then i started thinking but then to get back out i have to go back through this really horrible and i didn't want to go in there so you know it was one of those things where i just sort of had to back myself out of this situation and i i'll have like nightmares about that still just the feeling of it and wake up in the middle of the night like oh (laughs) and this movie addresses that and i and it it's kind of disorienting. It also there's like something else going on in the cave. It's not just about claustrophobia. No. It's about you know what if what if there was something else down in there in that cave? And, yeah, not only is it scary uh, because it's claustrophobic and scary just to be doing this in general. It's like what if you're trapped down there with something that's trying to kill you, and then you're trying to find your way out of this cave, and you're not even sure. So you're having to go down these unknown corridors, and this are they going to lead you to an, a bigger place? Is it going to be even smaller? Are you then going to be trapped in a corner? I mean, terrifying claustrophobia. And you can't and get um, any darker than the inside no. of a cave if you no, break there's your no flashlight. Light. <laughs> oh. And then also it was directed by Neil Marshall, who also did a lot of Game of Thrones episodes. Yeah, yeah. Some of the best ones. Yeah. Uh, and the other cool thing about this movie I thought was great that that he did was he cast an entire female cast. Yeah. Pretty much, I think it's pretty much 100%, 100%. There might be a man in there somewhere. But that was unusual because it would have been a really easy uh, and fallback to go, we have a bunch of people going spelunking in this cave so we get a bunch of dudes i mean that's right. just automatically or boys and girls fact, you know so that yeah. there could be sexual tension and yeah, love triangles and whatnot it, all female cast made it even just just gives it that extra edge like that was a yeah. cool move i thought really savvy and very unusual like you just don't see that so yeah. that was really and you know it was diverse cast and that's way back before anyone had to be so right i, I really and it's also a great poster <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a pretty cool poster yeah it's cool i like it um, there that this kind of making something the shape of a skull comes up a lot in movie poster design, but yeah. you hardly ever pull it off and it never looks good. And this is always the scrap people use. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love the first that. time I noticed that was the, uh, and it's something that some people haven't really, um, it's one of those, I was today years old when I realized yeah. the logo for, um, silence of the lambs, you know, it's the, it's the uh, moth over mm-hmm. her mouth. Right. But yeah. if you look really closely on the moth, you yeah. see a little skull, right? Yeah. But if you look even more closely, you realize that skull is made out of people. That's right. Super so creepy. It's, it's like one of those formations like that one. Little Easter egg. Yeah. If you look close enough. Great poster design. Um, yeah. So I want to go to, speaking of women in film, ah. let's talk about American Psycho. <laughs> so the thing that's fascinating about American Psycho, it is super hardcore. It's yeah. really intense, incredible performance from Christian <laughs> yeah. Bale. Just great. Yeah. Just totally, totally disappearing into this character. He's so great. And there's so much humor also. I mean, I remember reading this book and yeah. I was like, holy shit. Like, it was so hardcore. And then when you see the film, you're dreading it. But then they do it with such good humor. It's so well done. And there's always like this little wink, you know, even though it was really brutal. Yeah. Nobody realizes this was directed by a woman. Like it's one of those things like what? Like when you think about it, it just doesn't feel like what people think a woman doing horror would feel like. That's what's so great about it. Like, yes, women can bring the heart and it can feel very masculine. And I think too, because she's able to kind of in a way envelop that toxic masculinity, which she has in spades. Right. That's what this movie is about. Yeah. So I think it's really something a woman can relate to just so she's able to look at it from like an outside perspective on how it affects everyone around him. Yeah, maybe a man wouldn't be able to. Well, the book, I remember reading the book, too, when it came out and thinking. And then when I heard there was a movie coming up, I remember thinking, I don't know if this is going to be 
a thing that you can make a movie out of and still yeah. have the impact that the book had, the mm -hmm. meaning and you know the the subcontext and all that kind of stuff. Um, because it's not a normal. It, it's not like just a story about an American psycho. It, it's right. about a, a America. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's about a certain thing. I mean, you watch it and you get what you get out of it, but. Yeah. A lot of people who watch it get what you just said, uh, the thing about toxic masculinity, which I don't know if was a, if it was a term back then. It wasn't. But it was certainly a concept back then. Yeah. And the idea of people, I mean, I've known people like like this, you know, not not to this extent, but but I think she brought the idea of a lot of people who you encounter in certain industries, mm -hmm. like the entertainment industry, for instance. Yeah. And I have, I've worked with people who had these kind of, uh, one guy in particular, I won't, I'm not going to say who, but um, not, not famous, but known-ish kind of a guy. And he reminded me so much of this character in his obsession with these, into it's a style of obsession yeah where your your business card you know the business card scene is of course legendary Love it. but where your business card represents you in a way that's where i don't want to i don't want to get too explicit about it but the idea that your um that your giant car is compensating for something or <laughs> that kind of thing where in other words your business card represents the intensity of your masculinity you know what i mean and where your yeah. car is an extension of your physical body and your you know and it's this it's hard to explain and that's why you have to have a book or a movie that's this thick you know that you read and you get you dig into this film and that book and you're like you can come to a sort of an understanding of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think, you know, when we talk about like, you know, I even hate to say these words that we use now, but they're like the gender norms where right. ma uh, a man's masculinity is completely, you know, and directly connected to his level of success. Right. So when he's like showing his business card, he's like, look at my business card, which he's like, say, look how big my dick is. It's so everyone yeah, else is like, but mine's thing. bigger. Look yeah. how much better mine is. So he's doing all that. So each time he's, like sort of in a way kind of upended by someone else's success, he has to then amplify something to make up for that real, that intense feeling of failure, even though there right. isn't any. So he was like, he was homicidally like compensating for any of his insecurities and lack of success. So he yeah. it perceived he had, which he didn't. Um, so, but that's the thing too. He's also the ultimate um, unreliable narrator. And that was part of the book too. You didn't know like how much of this is real or in his head. Like, is, yeah. is he really successful or is he not? Like, is he really killing people? Is he not? Like right. the whole thing is almost more like a, like a fairy tale in a weird way. <laughs> so. And you know, what would be sort of a modern equivalent of this, or it's a subset of this. I mean, mm -hmm. his, the, the character that he plays in this still exists, you know, oh, yeah. still out there, no, but you know, there's a, there's a new, there's sort Obama's of a president, I think. Yeah, yeah. But what I was going to say is that there's sort of a new version of that, not really a new version, but another version, a subset, a, yeah. you know, a, a tangent from him, 
which is these people who collect like military style firearms and dress mm-hmm. up in military yeah. body armor mm-hmm. and they've got all their insignia patches and they and they use the you know they're not in the military and they're the they're the kind of people who used to cry and complain about somebody you know stolen valor you know they used yeah. to they used to scream so loud about that like somebody who was pretending yeah. to be in the military or or mm-hmm. claiming that they had been in the military but these guys dress up like army men like military yeah. and they collect these military firearms and they they are so proud of the fact that they have the biggest gun and they have you know 25 of them and that that is I mean, when you look at it, it's ridiculous, and you think these people just look like scared little boys who can't leave the house without their Shogun Warrior toys or whatever. And But then another part of you is like, it's sort of sad because of the way they've been raised. They've been raised in a way to believe that that represents them. That or And the idea of respect is going off on a real tangent from this film, but the idea of respect to one type of person, it's like if if I have a gun, they respect me because I have a gun. Yeah. But to well, another kind of person, that doesn't Right. But to another person that is not respect. It's just a, a tool that you happen to be holding. Well, it's intimidation, you yeah. know. It's, it's overcompensation. It's all of those things. So respect the- comes from what the person is, the person's quality, their character, their strength of character. And a lot of people don't know how to express that, especially a, a lot of men think that, you know, they get caught up in like what they've been taught by a lot of Western culture, you know, how what a man is supposed to be. And right. I think a lot of people just buy into it, which, you know, was so that's what's so great about American psychos. It really does buy it, show you that patriarchal, you know, overblown insanity. Basically. It was one of the first things to address it so directly and yeah. in a way that was like, I know that guy. I know that syndrome. They're everywhere. I know where he's coming from. (laughs) So next on our list. I don't know. I don't really have anything else. I mean, there was was some 2000s stuff Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, there's there's things like Donnie Darko that that was a little bit of a little bit of a horror ish film yeah, but kind gothic of horror fiction. like fantasy weirdness you know and yeah. I, I love the line from this film and i recommend everyone watch this it's fantastic yeah. um where they have the like where you see in the movie theater and the guy's sitting next to him in this rabbit suit as you can see in this poster and he's right. like why are you wearing that stupid rabbit suit and then the rabbit turns him why are you wearing the stupid man suit you know so yeah. I, I love that idea because like who are you like yeah what are you like this sort of like trying to call out each other on what they are and who they are and what they mean just by looking at each other. It's right. great. It's a great, it's, it's, it's one of a Jake Gyllenhaal. Was it Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. First movies. One of his first movies. I think, it was, I think it was. Yeah. He's a kid in it. He's like, really <sighs> I know I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking it was him, right? Cause he was so young. Um, yeah. And I know then, he's done uh, so many things since then. <laughs> it's so like, many. that's a different person in that movie. And then um, there's the classy horror that we have, which is something like Let the Right One In, which is, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. was groundbreaking was at the time. Like just this quiet sort of realistic, like what it would be like if a real vampire existed and how it would be kind of more like a like a predator. Right. So you can almost see vampires just in normal people because some people are just human predators. And that's sort of what they made this vampire out to be. Yeah. Um, Look, I can do this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we have okay that's it 
then back to slasher like and i thought oh, this was yeah. one of the scariest movies i've ever seen at the time and it's sort of a slasher home invasion mix because it's about someone being preyed upon by this sort of faceless evil but right. it's, it's kind of a bigger story about that thing we were talking about earlier about you know, having your what should be a safe space invaded and how you would right. survive. Like, can you outsmart these people? And the th greatest thing about this film is usually I'm watching a horror movie and I'm like, these people are so fucking dumb. Right. It's like, they're going to like, I have an idea. I'm going to go outside and see who these people are. And then of course they get killed instantly. It's just stupid. This yeah. movie, every time I was trying to think this is what they should do, they would either do that or do something way smarter than what I just thought of. I'm right. like, wow, I this like is a movie that that's actually smart. Yeah. I want to see these movies and have people show me what is the best way to get out of this situation and not be a dumb fuck and fall yeah. and die, you know? And this was really well done. Great actors in it. You know, Liv Ullman's in this. Um, yeah. And they have some great character development with these, you know, masks on these people. There's actually a few people that are kind of like creeping around the house trying to get in. It's really, really yeah. well done. Um, and then we also have, this is another great one. Yeah, this is an interesting choice. It's, it's not really a horror film, but it's uh I it sort of is, it sort of is. Like it's one of those like indie super low budget, but gives you just makes you feel like something bigger is happening and it totally kind of blows your mind a little bit. And it is a little scary. Yeah. Yeah, it's very scary. Yeah. That's a well, great one. That's a that yeah. is we could go on and on about this one. It's a time travel yeah, like, time travel movie done in a way that was uh pretty innovative somebody yeah. really really put in a a lot of thought into this yeah. film yeah it's kind of like if you if someone was going to develop this technology just like in the garage like apple computers you know yeah and they're experimenting and trying stuff out and it was a very low-key weirdness of science of like experimenting and trying it and it all feels very real and grounded it's not this big grand time travel you know it's right. this little creepy mathematical you know problem that turns into a real problem that turns you know it's, it's great it's great it turns you discover it by, the, by dropping little bits of paper and they I move more slowly than they're supposed to and they're like so what weird i love that turn that into something it's those little things that could change the world that you don't really notice it's not the big right. explosions well some are but <laughs> so that, yeah and then i thought this was just a great great remake and it stands on its own i think is one of the best zombie horror movies i've ever seen i agree it's a good one so good yep. directed by zach snyder I yes one of his best movies i think it was his second movie i believe um you were talking about yeah. watchman earlier same director yeah um, watchman was a is another one that's kind of got some scary horror bloody yeah. elements to it not a not a bad um halloween movie if you want to watch yeah. a, a sort of dark um superhero film more super, like more Zack superhero Snyder. with some horror elements than horror but very definitely more grounded and creepy so uh, but brutal, this is great because yeah. there's some humor in this there's you know yeah. some really really smart stuff and a credit sequence that's fantastic and the whole yeah. movie changes its meaning if you don't stay through the credits like the credits right. gives you a little bit more information each time yep and then a post-credit ending that just wraps it up yeah um, so definitely stay through the credits um, it's a good one it's a it is a you know, in the in the uh, vast landscape of mm -hmm. zombie zombie material that's out there, yeah, that's one of my favorites. And yeah. I, another one of my favorites is also called Dawn of the Dead. It was the one yeah. that was directed by George Romero that we talked about in our in the last episode. In our last episode, or well, second seventies seventies episode, yeah. Which uh, you know, check look for it in our lists or wherever it is. It's, Just uh, um, listen to all and watch all the episodes, and then you will find it in there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, and let us know which ones we missed. I think we probably yeah. missed 
quite a few, yeah. but we can we wrap it up with a couple. Like I, I love trick or treat just as a crowd pleaser. If you want to yeah. watch it on Halloween, it's a great anthology. It's one of the solid, probably one of the best um, Halloween anthologies I've ever seen. Yeah. I watch it more than once and I never do that. So I like it because it gives you some good surprises some genuine, like real scares and they all kind of time together in a really smart way. So it's definitely right. worth watching. I that. love anthologies too. Oh, I love me too. short stories. I love regular movies, but I, if you can tell me a story that, that, gives me the goosebumps in like 20 minutes or something. Yeah. I love that. I love the, yep. the brief stories like that. And it yeah, the, the efficiency of it. And yeah. That, it goes back to like the classic twilight zone we were talking about. And I guess the big finale can be pan's labyrinth because Guillermo del Toro deserves that. You know, and this was a magical, beautiful, creepy, gorgeous, just fantastic, yeah. weird film. That's kind of really fun. And I, I know offbeat uh, film to watch for Halloween. Yeah, Guillermo knows how to do the beautiful visuals and the story, too. Some people just knew, know how to do the visuals, but he knows how to do all of it. And he I does. think that's one thing that's going to keep people watching his movies for a long time because, it, mm -hmm. I mean, they they are timeless and yeah. things like The Orphanage and, and uh, we've talked about and things that he produced, mm -hmm. uh, things that he directed and things that he produced, things that yeah. he was involved with are generally... Exactly good and yep. solid they're, they're going to be good 20 years from now too and, yeah. and beyond and i also recommend i'm not sure when it came out as devil's backbone which is a yes. great little harm film too is a good more of a ghost story and it's just yeah. it's just so sad and beautiful and beautiful yeah. again yeah, so everything. yeah his stuff's always so so fantastic it's just a whole different mind like you you will not mistake his films from anyone else <laughs> he does right. not look like anyone else and hellboy still holds up you know yeah and hellboy <laughs> so there you go Hard from 2000s. We'll yeah. do the 90s next time. The 2000s. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll, yeah, give us some suggestions for the 90s. That's a, that's yeah, a thing that the 90s um, too. we were looking through it and then we said, let's just look at the 2000s. Let's instead. just do 2000s because there's some good ones. <laughs> okay, so thanks you guys for, for listening this far and I hope you have a great Halloween. Yeah, everybody uh, stay safe. And if you're going out into the, uh, you know, trick-or-treating, Make sure you wear really bright, reflective Halloween costumes, right? Isn't that no. what they used to say in the TV commercials? <laughs> yeah, which is never <laughs> scary, so don't do that. Like, um, like with yeah. big flashing Maybe lights. Maybe a flashlight or something, some glittery thing you can carry you can turn off into it. Yeah, I mean, the, the best idea is to go to those street parties. Like here in, in Los Angeles, we have some of the craziest Halloween street parties. That no, they're nuts. It's just so fun. Yeah. So fun. So it's a, happy it's a Halloween. Hap, hap, happy time of year. Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for joining us.